Our text for today is from our first reading, Isaiah chapter 7. I'm going to be showing verses on the screen, but if you do want to follow along in one of our church Bibles, Isaiah chapter 7 is found on page 571. Page 571. And as we turn our attention to the study of God's Word here today, let me begin by asking you a question. Have you ever asked God to send you or to show you some kind of sign? Maybe you feel like God's really far away and you're wrestling with your faith and you cry out to him or maybe it's just a very difficult time in your life and you're doubting that deep, deep love of the Father and you call out to him. Maybe it's just a big decision that you have to make. God, help me out. Show me a sign. Have you ever done anything like that before? Maybe you haven't. I know many of you have. Many people do. Well, let me ask you, is that wrong? Is it wrong to ask God for some kind of sign or, or to even need God to send you some kind of sign in your life? I mean, there was an angel who came to Joseph in a dream, and there's certainly nothing in the Bible which says that God cannot communicate and reveal things in extraordinary ways to us today. Certainly, we have the objective and certain truth of his word I think maybe it all comes down to what your or our motivation is in wanting some kind of revelation or sign from God. If we're earnestly seeking Him or we're simply wanting more of Him in our life, you know, that's one thing. I think oftentimes we do ask God, God, send me some kind of sign. We're trying to make a, a big decision in our life, and maybe uh, in those big decisions, we're really not trusting ourselves. God, I've made so many mistakes. Help me not to make another one. Just give me some kind of sign. What should I do here? But maybe, and you have to do analysis of your own heart, Maybe sometimes in seeking that kind of sign, trying to make those decisions, it's not just that we're not trusting ourselves, but maybe we're not, ironically, not trusting fully in God. We know that God has a plan for our life. We know that God has it all laid out. God, can you just give me a sneak peek? I'm a little nervous here. I'm a little worried. I'm a little concerned about what might come. Lord, just let me have a little peek into what that plan is. And if you do, though, then I will feel much more confident, much more at ease, and I'll feel a little bit more in control. Our fundamental problem, the problem that we have in our human condition is sin buried deep. And what sin essentially is, it's this lie that says you can't trust God. Does God really love you? Is he really going to take care of you? That, that's a lie that's buried really deep in our souls. And all of us sometime in our life, we have wrestled with that question. Or if you haven't wrestled with it, you will one day. God, do you love me? God, are you there? God, can I trust in you? Well, that's the question that we have an answer to here, that God is providing an answer for us here in Isaiah chapter 7. 
And ironically, this is the one time in all of the Bible where God actually commands someone, God actually asks someone, ask me a sign and I'll give it to you. And the person, King Ahaz, refuses. And in that, God has something really helpful, practical, beautiful that he wants us to hear today. So as we dig into God's word today, I do need to kind of explain and unpack. It seems confusing and complicated, but it's really not that confusing. The year is somewhere around 734 BC. God's people are no longer unified. Sadly, they are divided. There's a northern kingdom of Israel and the southern kingdom there of Judah. And those are the people of God. The northern kingdom of Israel, the southern kingdom of Judah, and Judah's king is King Ahaz. But there is the dreaded Assyrian Empire looming all around them, threatening everyone in that region. And so it is that northern kingdom of Israel that forms an alliance with another smaller kingdom called Aram, Damascus. The northern kingdom of Israel forms an alliance with Aram, Damascus in opposition to Assyria. And then they go down to King Ahaz and they say, King Ahaz of Judah, we want you to join with us and be a part of our alliance. But what King Ahaz has done is he is actually going and he's trying to form an alliance with the king of Assyria. And King Ahaz, we learn from other parts of the Old Testament, actually has taken some of the gold and some of the treasure from the temple in Jerusalem and has given it to the king of Assyria. And so the king of the northern kingdom of Israel, the king of Aram, they join forces. They send their armies down, and they have now encircled around the city of Jerusalem. I want you to picture that. The city of Jerusalem is surrounded by their armies, and they want to get rid of King Ahaz and put in their own king that will join forces with them. See, it's not that complicated. The northern kingdom of Israel and that kingdom of Aram have sent their armies down. They have encircled around Jerusalem and they want to get rid of King Ahaz. And this is where we pick up the story in verse 2. What is Ahaz's reaction to this? It says that the heart of Ahaz and the heart of his people shook as the trees of the forest shake before the wind. What a vivid description. What is this saying to us? Showing us it means that Ahaz has been rocked to the very core of his being. That Ahaz, where is he trying to find his significance and his worth in life? Where is he trying to find his sense of safety or its security? It's the fact that he is the great king of Judah. He's King Ahaz. That's who he is. That's what makes him feel good. That's what makes him feel safe. And now that is being threatened, do you see? His significance and his safety, his security is being threatened, who he is. And so he is shaking and trembling with fear. He is frightened. And it's into this situation then that God sends the prophet Isaiah. And Isaiah says this to him in verse 3. It says, The Lord said to Isaiah, Go out to meet Ahaz. 
at the end of the conduit of the upper pool on the highway to the washer's field. Now, what in the world is the conduit of the upper pool and this washer's field? What is all that? That is the water supply for the city of Jerusalem. The armies are encircling. They have laid siege to the city. That means they want to cut off the water and they want to cut off the food and starve them out. And so King Ahaz, you know, look, he could have sent one of his servants, he could have sent one of his generals, he could have sent someone to go and inspect their water supply, find out how much water they have, how long can they last. But Ahaz goes himself because he is so disturbed and so, maybe he's a control freak, I don't know. But he goes himself to see how much water, how long can we last against these armies. And it says in verse 4 that uh, Isaiah was to say to him, Be careful. Be quiet. Ahaz, do not fear. Do not let your heart be faint because of these two smoldering stumps. That's referring to the king of Israel and the king of Aram. They're just smoldering stumps. They're nothing, Ahaz. Don't be afraid of them, don't be afraid of their armies. Verse 7, it shall not stand and it shall not come to pass. So what is God doing? God is sending the prophet Isaiah with his word and with his promises. He says, Ahaz, you have my word. You have my promise. Everything's going to be okay. Don't worry. He even tells them how it's going to end. He goes, those two kingdoms are going to fall. They're not going to last. You don't have to be worried about them. They're smoldering stumps. Everything's going to be okay. Don't be afraid. But apparently that wasn't enough. The word and the promises of God for Ahaz, he was still deeply troubled, and so God comes to him again through the prophet Isaiah in verse 10, where it says, Again, the Lord spoke to Ahaz, Ask a sign of the Lord your God. Let it be deep as Sheol or high as heaven. Look at this. God is actually saying to him, ask me a sign. I mean, this just doesn't happen. I mean, this is your get out of jail free card here, King Ahaz. This is unbelievable. This is astonishing. Ahaz, I know you're worried. I know you're afraid. I've given you my promises. I've given you my word. Let me give you a sign to prove, a miraculous sign. Make it a big one. Make it as high as the heavens and as, as low as Sheol. Make it a huge, big, miraculous sign. Ask me anything, and I'm going to do it for you to prove to you that my word and my promises are secure and everything's going to be okay. But how does Ahaz respond? Verse 12, but Ahaz said, I will not ask, and I will not put the Lord to the test. And doesn't that sound pious? Doesn't that sound very faithful? Oh, no, 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 I, couldn't, I would never do that. I would never put the Lord thy God to the test. Not me, not King Ahaz. But we already know something about Ahaz's heart, other places in the Old Testament. Again, I've told you, he was already trying to make an alliance with the king of Assyria, and he's taken gold and treasures from the temple in Jerusalem. He's robbed out the temple in Jerusalem to give them to the king. This is something that God had told him not to do. And sadly, we know from other places in the Old Testament that by this time Ahaz had completely 
turned away from Yahweh, from the true God, and he's worshiping Baal, and he's worshiping Molech, he's worshiping false gods, and he's even taken some of his own children, infants, and sacrificed them to these false gods. His significance, his security, being a king was so important to him that he was willing to these false gods, hey, quid pro quo, I scratch your back, you scratch mine, offering even his own infant children to them. Ahaz was one of the worst of the worst. But knowing all of that, and knowing that you are no King Ahaz here today, And yet, in what ways might you be, might we be at least a little bit like him, like Ahaz? Maybe you're not worshiping Baal and Molech, but what false gods do you have? What idols are controlling your heart? We talked about this last week. Where are you looking for your significance of who you are and for your safety, for your security? It's God. Yes, I know it's God, but what else? What else do you think you have to have in order to be happy, in order to feel good about yourself? Is it your career? Is it money? Is it a particular relationship? Is it your family? It can be good things. Is it whoever happens to be in a political office? Where are you looking for your safety, your security, for who you are, your significance? Is it your health? Is it your looks? Wherever there's fear, wherever there's worry, just like Ahaz, that worry, that fear, he was shaking like a tree shakes in the wind. Wherever you are being shaken in your core, that is a false god, that's an idol. It's not what we were made for. God doesn't want you to live in that fear. You were made for more. That's the first thing. But also, Ahaz was given the word of God. Ahaz was given great promises by God. God actually let Ahaz know the happy ending that was to come, and it wasn't enough. He was still afraid. What about us, you? God has given to us his word. God has given us his promises. God has shown us the story, your story, that goes on and on, the wonderful happy ending that has no end. God has shown to us that he is working through all things for the good of those who love him. God has shown us and promised us that our present sufferings aren't even worth comparing to the glory to be revealed. God has shown us a new heavens and a new earth and a day when Christ will return and God will wipe every tear from our eyes and there's no more crying and no more mourning and no more pain. And until that day comes, Jesus himself has promised us, you, and said, I am with you always. And we know all of that and we say, yeah. I still woke up at three o'clock in the morning with worries and fears and anxieties. How can we know? How can we trust in that love? And Isaiah here in his words to Ahaz are words for us in verse 13 and following. Where he says, Hear then, O house of David, is it too little for you to weary men that you weary my God also? 
Therefore the Lord himself will give you a sign. Behold, the virgin shall conceive and bear a son and shall call his name Emmanuel. And you know that that means what? God with us. What is God saying here? What, what is God showing us? Well, a couple of things. He's saying to Ahaz, Ahaz, you have no understanding of what I'm really doing. I am up to something so more wonderful, so more incredible. Ahaz, you're concerned with a little bit of political power. You want to stay on the throne there. You know, Ahaz reigned for 16 whole years. Wow. God is saying, I am establishing an eternal, never-ending kingdom of my glory, my light, and my love. I am not just here to deliver you from uh, you know, a few armies surrounding you. I'm delivering you from death itself, eternal life. As C.S. Lewis said, it seems that God finds our desires not too strong, but our desires simply are too weak. We're not desiring or wanting enough. We're too easily pleased with the false gods of our life. But then also, he's saying, Ahaz, maybe you don't want a sign, and you don't want me. But for all those people who are hurting and hungry, for all those people who are living in fear, for all those people, anyone living in shame or guilt of their sin, for anyone who wakes up at three o'clock in the morning and feels the beating of their heart and wonders, when is the last beat of that heart gonna take place? For anyone who is enduring this world, any of us with troubles and fears, he is saying, you want a sign? I will give you a sign. I give them a sign. He gives to you a sign of his never-ending, never-giving-up, always-and-forever love. It is the virgin who conceived a son, and his name was called Emmanuel, God with us. Ahaz, you maybe don't want to leave the throne. I am willing to leave my heavenly throne and give everything away and make myself nothing. The God who controls all things, the God who is omnipotent in power, who gave it all away, came into this world as that little helpless baby in Bethlehem, put himself in a condition where he could be wounded and killed on our behalf. You want a sign? Do you need a sign? God has given to you a baby in a manger and a man on a cross and a stone rolled away from an empty tomb to show you his great, great and deep love for you. Now, as we conclude, Emmanuel, God with us. Sometimes you go, where are you, God? God, give me a sign. God, where are you? Have you noticed throughout the Bible, it's always a God coming to be with us and God coming down. In the very beginning, Genesis chapter three, Adam and Eve rebel and they sin against God and God comes down to them in the garden and he looks for them. Where are you? And God comes down with Noah and the ark, and it's God who closes up the door and saves them and saves his great promise. It's God who comes down to the patriarch Abraham as a blazing torch, a smoking fire pot, and he makes a covenant 
with Abraham and with his people. God comes down in the burning bush with Moses, and God came down in the pillar of fire by night and the pillar of cloud by day to lead his people out from slavery, and God came down upon Mount Sinai in all of his glory, and God came down into the holy of holies in the tabernacle. Why? Because God wants to be close with his people, as close as he possibly can in all of his holiness, as all of the tribes of the Israelites encamped around in the wilderness and their God in the midst of them in that tabernacle and God came down of course at Christmas. The word became flesh and made his dwelling amongst us and God Christ one day will come back down again and transform all of this world with all of his light and glory and love and to that day and indeed this very day God Christ continues to be your Emmanuel. with your sins, with your guilt, with whatever woke you up at three o'clock in the morning. And he comes to you today with bread and wine. This is my body, this is my blood. Christ himself, God himself, connects himself to simple bread and wine. We don't know how. And as you take and eat, you take and drink to know that Jesus is with you. Jesus, your Emmanuel. What a sign. Where is God? He's exactly where he's promised you he will be. To God alone be all the glory. Amen.